God loves to start new things. I know that because when I search the scriptures for the word new, I am amazed by how many times God is doing something new. For example, the Bible says a follower of Jesus Christ is a new creation, where the old has gone and the new has come. Do you need a fresh start in your life, marriage, or relationship with your kids? Do you need a second chance? Consider this, God is always up to something good and something new in your life. The prophet Jeremiah mentioned something new the Lord was doing. He writes, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Truly, God was up to something new in ancient Israel. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. That's Jeremiah 31, 34, and this is Something Good. Hi, I'm Brian Davis, and thanks for stopping by for today's message with Dr. Ron Jones. When Israel broke their covenant with God, the Lord kept his end of the bargain. He forgave them, he remembered their sin no more, and then he promised to one day launch a whole new covenant with them. Today, Ron explores God's forgiveness, his new covenant, and what it means for you and me. Stay with us now or visit somethinggoodradio.org to hear any of Ron's messages on demand. That's somethinggoodradio.org. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast at Spotify, at Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From his teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, here's Ron in part two of his Something Good Radio message, Jeremiah the new covenant. Jeremiah lowered the boom on the people with a stunning prophecy about 70 forthcoming years in captivity with the ruthless Babylonians. Now we're getting closer to 586 BC. Jeremiah's message was never popular, but this one really put him in the doghouse. After telling the people how the Lord will make this house like Shiloh and will make this city, the city of Jerusalem, a curse for all the nations of the earth, Jeremiah barely escaped with his life. Nobody wanted to hear this. It's the difficult thing about being the prophet of God, whether you're foretelling or forthtelling the scriptures. However, uh, Jeremiah pulls out another object lesson. He puts a yoke around his neck and he walks around with a yoke on his neck as a way of saying that God's people must and will live under the yoke of Babylonian rule for 70 years. And then the book turns from the gloom, despair, and the agony on me that you know, was the time of Israel at that, at that moment and, and pivots in a new direction to a glorious future and a hope Uh, for the nation of Israel. And that pivot begins in chapter 29, verses 10 through 14. Some of this is going to sound familiar. One of these verses I'm about to read is, is, is that verse that we love to lift out of its context and slap on a bumper sticker or on a social media post. But understand what was going on here. Jeremiah is prophesying. He's telling the people You're heading into captivity, and it will last for 70 years. And some of you are going to lose hope. 
in the midst of that. Some of these people will be born in captivity, live in captivity, and die in captivity. Others you know, will have known freedom, will be taken captive, and maybe live beyond that time uh, to be restored. But here's what the Lord said through Jeremiah beginning in chapter 29 and verse 10. When 70 years are complete for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. Now here's the familiar one. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. Now, one of the difficulties in reading through the major prophets and even the minor prophets of the Old Testament is on the front end of a lot of these books, even Jeremiah, 29 chapters of judgment and impending doom, and you lose heart and you stop reading and you, you mistakenly assume that the Old Testament is all about the judgment of God and the, you know, the fiery hand of God. And even Marcion in the third century uh, uh, said, oh, the God of the Bible, all full of judgment, is different than the God, uh, the God of the Old Testament, rather, is different than the God of the New Testament. The God of the New Testament is God of love. The God of the Old Testament is just God of judgment. Well, you haven't read far enough. Keep reading. Again, man's need for salvation always precedes God's provision of salvation. And yes, Israel had reached a point. It was her midnight hour. She had... Uh, stiffened her neck and her back against the Lord. And like a parent who disciplines her child, God sends them into timeout. The ruthless Babylonians come, 70 years of captivity. But in the midst of that, hope. I'll restore you. I, I have plans for you. Some of you need to hear that today. You, you're, you're in this situation, maybe in your marriage or in your family life or your job or your career or whatever it might be, and, and you feel held captive by something. The Lord knows the plans that he has for you, plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. God is up to something good in your life. He's up to something new and that something new is something good. But you gotta read far enough. The book fully pivots in the chapters that follow. And I'm talking about chapters uh, 30 through 33 with an equally stunning reversal of all the judgments that come in the first 29 chapters. In chapters 30 through 33, it just takes three or four chapters there to reverse all of the judgments. The Lord restores Israel and Judah. He turns their mourning into joy. He promises to do something new and to make a new covenant with the people. Read with me in chapter 31, beginning in verse 31. Listen to this. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. Oh, listen to the passion of the Lord there. He uses marriage language here. Israel, my bride, I was her husband. She broke covenant with me. But I haven't cast her aside forever. 
For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people and no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, know the Lord for they shall all know me from the very least of them to the greatest declares the Lord for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. The Lord has not forgotten you. He's not content to leave you in the captivity of your sin. He wants to restore you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to give you a new heart and a new spirit. And when he does, he says, I will forgive you and I will remember your sin no more. I gotta pause for a little bit of marriage counseling here because I suspect that there are some who find themselves in a captivity of a marriage and you've lost hope. Catherine and I often say the two most important phrases in a marriage is, I'm sorry and you're forgiven. And it needs to be reciprocal. And the forgiven part, well, how does the Lord forgive us? What does he say? I will remember their sin no more. Now, God doesn't get amnesia. An omniscient God doesn't forget but he makes a decision never to bring it up again in our presence. When he forgives us, he casts our sin as far as the east is from the west, puts it in a place that even if he wanted to dig it out and bring it up again, he can't remember where he put it, right? He chooses to remember no more. That's how you survive in marriage. That's how I survive because I'm the one having to say I'm sorry most of the time, right? And I'm forgiven. And you move on from there. If you're the one extending the forgiveness, don't reach back six months or six years, or goodness gracious, 16 years, and bring it up again? You'll never have a healthy marriage that way. Now, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, says Paul to the Ephesians, even as God in Christ has forgiven you. How did he forgive you? Cast your sins as far as the east is from the west. And says, I'll choose to remember them no more. <laughs> Listen, you can pay big dollars for that kind of marriage counseling, but it works. And here the Lord is saying to his bride, Israel, who broke covenant with him, I want to forgive you. Just, just come back. Just give me your whole heart. I will forgive you and remember your sin no more. Still ahead, the second half of today's Something Good Radio message with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. And if you've never visited our website, I encourage you to do so today because we have a great streaming platform for the media ministry of Something Good. You'll also find our digital library where you can search for biblical answers to some of your most challenging questions. Watch, listen, and download for free. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Now let's get you back to the rest of today's Something Good Radio message, Jeremiah, A New Covenant. Once again, here's Dr. Ron Jones. Now what is the new covenant? 
Well, it's the promise God made first to Israel and ultimately to all of humanity to forgive sin and restore fellowship with those who turn their hearts to him by faith. That's the new covenant. And Jeremiah uh, is not the only one in the Old Testament who, who talked about the new covenant. It actually started with Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 29. Ezekiel chapter 36, uh, the prophet Ezekiel also talks about the new covenant. Jeremiah goes on to say in chapter 33, and, and he's using the long lens of prophecy here, but he talks about a righteous branch that God will raise up from the house of David who will serve as the mediator of the new covenant. Well, that righteous branch, here's the Christ connection in Jeremiah. That righteous branch is Jesus Christ. His blood sacrifice on the cross is the basis of the promise. It's the basis of the covenant as Jesus made clear during the Last Supper with his disciples when he said these words, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. You see the connection there? Communion, the Lord's Supper, God was up to something new. And it had to do with this prophecy from Jeremiah, from Moses, from Ezekiel, the new covenant. Now, why did God make a new covenant with Israel and ultimately all of humanity? Did the old covenant fail? That's a fair question, isn't it? Well, on the contrary, the Old Covenant served its purpose and was replaced by what the writer of Hebrews says is a better covenant. The Old Covenant required strict obedience to the Mosaic law and continual blood sacrifices to atone for sin. And if you remember from our study of the book of Deuteronomy, Moses actually predicted that the Israelites would fail to keep God's law and God would punish them according to the covenant, according to the promise. And, and then God would restore them by giving them a new heart. Uh, the old covenant was unable to produce a new heart and a new spirit, but the new covenant, the new covenant that is in the blood of Jesus Christ, it's a blood covenant. Uh, it came with the provision of the Holy Spirit to do what the law or the old covenant could not do by moving us to obey God. Is that making any sense to uh, those of you who've been believers for any length of time that all this talk about the new covenant was because the old covenant did what the old covenant was supposed to do was to show us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and we need God to do a new thing in us, a new thing that only he could produce. And he did this through the mediator named Jesus Christ, the righteous branch that would rise up uh, from the house of David. Boy, somebody say amen to all this. This is good stuff. Through the new covenant, God also promised Israel faithfulness and fruitfulness in the land, blessings, peaceful living in the promised land. You say, well, where is that today? Well, again, that's the long lens of Bible prophecy that takes us all the way to the end of the age. This will be fulfilled on earth during the millennial kingdom, which follows the tribulation period, the battle of Armageddon, the second coming of Jesus Christ, the thousand-year reign of Christ, all of the blessings and the peaceful living and the promises, uh, the covenant blessings for Israel will come true during that time. And then it extends even further throughout all of eternity. 
Just know that under the new covenant, salvation is a gift that we receive by grace and through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Under the new covenant, we are new creations in Christ where the old has gone and the new has come. Aren't you glad that God loves to do new things? I hope you are. Because some of you need him to bring about some measure of freshness and newness in your life. And understand that while living under Babylonian captivity for 70 years, some of these Israelites had every reason to lose hope. And this was why Jeremiah's ministry was so important. Yes, the, the messages of impending judgment to awaken them to repentance, but if they didn't repent, uh, this was the midnight hour. They were being sent to time out. 70 years, not a day longer, not a day late. It was decreed by the Lord. If you're ready for something new today, I would just say it this way. It starts at the foot of the cross. Jesus said, this, this new covenant is a covenant in my blood. It starts by placing your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because all things new, and here's the takeaway, friends, all things new begin at the cross and at the empty tomb. Whether you're somebody today who's never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and you need a new thing, and that new gadget or that new outfit or that new relationship or that new car or that new house or that new thingamajig, that you thought would fill the emptiness in your heart. No, that's not the new thing God wants to do in your life. He wants to give you a new heart and a new spirit, one that deeply desires to walk with him. And you, you will find, you, you'll find your life beginning to fit like two Lego pieces, you and God. But all new things start with the new covenant which was mediated by the blood of Jesus Christ at his cross. So if you need something new today, come to the cross of Christ, maybe for the first time in your life, and place your faith and trust in him. Even as a believer in Jesus Christ, the way to the abundant life is through the cross, right? Jesus said, if you want to be one of my disciples, deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. There's life there's newness, there's freshness. E even as you go all the way to the end of the age and the end of the book, and we'll get to the book of Revelation at some point on Route 66, do you know Revelation 21 talks about a new heaven and a new earth and a new holy city, Jerusalem? You say, well, why do we need some, you know, a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem? I don't know, God loves to start new things. And there's a new heaven and a new earth and a new glorious and heavenly city, Jerusalem, that John pictured as coming down like a bride adorned for a wedding. I mean, God has some new things ready to give to us as his people that are just literally out of this world. But all new things start at the cross of Jesus Christ and his empty tomb. Come to him today.
Thanks for stopping by for today's Something Good Radio message. And Dr. Ron Jones joins me now. Ron, I wonder if you might dive a little deeper into this whole idea of forgiveness that we find in the book of Jeremiah. Not only God's forgiveness for us, but our forgiveness for one another. Brian, there's so much we could say about that question, but uh, I think in response, I'd like to throw you a little bit of a curveball. Now, when God forgives us, he doesn't merely cover our sin. He extracts it from us. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness and declares us completely and perfectly justified, as if we never sinned at all. It is uh, not forgiveness as we understand forgiveness, not generally the way we forgive one another. Uh, We say, I forgive you, and we smooth things over and we move on. But God goes a step further and quite literally erases the sin, both from our record and from his own memory. It's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. But here's the curveball, Brian. I I think there are many people, Christians and non-Christians alike, who are pretty good or maybe even better than pretty good at forgiving other people. They are quick to say, I forgive you, and quick to reconcile the relationship. But these very same people often have real problems forgiving themselves. Uh, If there's anyone listening who falls into this category, anyone who is struggling to forgive yourself from the mistakes of your past, anyone who feels unworthy to be used by God because of those past mistakes and sins. Well, I want to speak a word of encouragement to you. If you're a believer in Christ, God has forgiven you for everything you've ever done and everything you will do from this day forward. Uh, Your record is and will forever remain spotless because of God's grace and because of Christ's work on the cross and your faith in Christ. Any condemnation you feel, any perpetual guilt, comes straight from the bowels of hell. Uh, The Bible tells us in uh, Romans uh, chapter 8, there is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ. If your Father in heaven forgives you, uh, who are you not to forgive yourself? Release that burden today and begin to see yourself the way God sees you, a forgiven, redeemed, justified child of the living God. And for those who do not yet know Christ, just know this, there is nothing you have ever done no matter how severe or heinous, that prevents you or prohibits you from coming before the throne of grace and asking God to give you salvation through faith in Christ. There has never been anyone who has ever come to Jesus and asked for salvation and had Jesus tell them no. It's never happened and it never will. You may at this point in time be a lost sheep, but because of Christ, there is no such thing as a lost cause. That's Dr. Ron Jones with some great final thoughts on the power of God's forgiveness and the importance of self-forgiveness. Now, today's message is part of Ron's teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. And as you may have heard, Ron has written two companion guides, a pair of beautifully designed volumes that cover both the Old and New Testaments and all eight road trips that he's taking you on right here on Something Good Radio. When you give your gift of $50 or more to support the media ministry of Something Good, Ron will gladly send you both volumes. That's volumes one and two of Ron's book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. This is our way of saying thank you for your generous gift to support the ministry of Something Good Radio. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org or over the phone by calling our offices at 757-276-1099 or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245. 
Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456. Ron, tomorrow you move ahead in your series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Tell us a little about that message as we wrap up today's Something Good radio broadcast. Brian, our next stop on the ultimate road trip through the Bible is the book of Lamentations. Now, the word lamentation means the passionate expression of grief or sorrow, and it often includes weeping. Most people run away from that kind of thing. We'd rather be entertained or amused through some sort of escape from life's problems. But for the next couple of days, I'm going to run straight toward it and talk in some detail about this prophetic book because what we're going to find in the midst of all this grief and sorrow and wailing from the prophet Jeremiah is something else altogether. And that something else is called hope. And that's where I'm headed next time, to a place called hope as I continue my teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Join us then for Something Good when Dr. Ron Jones shares his message, Lamentations, Great is Thy Faithfulness. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis, thanks for listening.